I love a beautiful lawn. You love a beautiful lawn. Everybody loves a beautiful lawn, but they don't love how long it takes and how difficult it can be. And that is where True Green comes into play because it's the easiest and most affordable way to get that beautiful lawn. Let's be real. You've got plenty of other things to do in your free time than focus on your lawn care. So let True Green take care of all of that hard work while you get to do everything else that you want to do like go play golf. Here's what you need to do. Visit truegreen.com. Okay. It allows you to do you let them do the lawn care. And if you visit truegreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, that is all guaranteed. You can trust true green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. It's truegreen.com. Get started now. And welcome back to a historic edition of the First Cut Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Kyle Porter. I'm Chip Patterson. Kyle is uh, Long Island, the scene of the 101st PGA Championship where Brooks Kepka has taken it down again. He is curling his two Wanamakers back and forth after <laughs> no uh, doubt. No a- doubt. After a-, a wild Sunday. And there, we've got a, a thousand different ways to-, to cut at this one. Including, yes, there are many storylines beyond Brooks Kepka, but uh, I'll start open-ended just throwing it at you. You just turned in. We, we were recording here on Sunday night. You just turned in your column. You can read it on cbsports.com by the time you listen to this podcast, so please go do it. I haven't read it, uh, so this is rare for our, our recaps, but yeah, I'll throw it open-ended. Where, where are you at right now? Like, what's... What's sort of uh, the lingering thought about Brooks Kepka and what this win means uh, for him and for golf in general? It's a good question. I think that my, like the thing I will most remember or take away from this week and specifically the weekend, because I went all 36 with Brooks, which by the way, if you're here, go walk, like go, go, and, and I, you know, like a lot of people do, but. A lot of people don't. They just sit there and watch it. Like it is, it always pays off every time. And, and here's the thing: I was I was walking with uh, Kevin Van Valkenburg of ESPN for the first, well, for for both days really. But we, when we walked on Sunday, the first ten holes, it's like, ugh, what are we doing? Like, is this is this even going to be good? Is anything going to happen? And then all of a sudden, this is my lead on my column, was we get to the 11th and Brooks hits it in the bunker and then he, he pitches out and then he leaves his approach short and somebody in the crowd hollered and said, like, it, you could hear it above everything else because he's getting ready to hit and like there's not much going on and somebody somebody just screams, I'm bored! And that was how everybody felt at the time. It was boring. He was up six with eight to go. And then it got very not boring for the next two hours because right. he goes he goes four bogeys in a row. Uh, DJ makes the the birdie on fifteen, and you're just like, what is? It? I mean, what's happening? Is this gonna is this gonna go down like this? So that was kind of the like lead into like what I will remember and what I'll take away from 
uh, from Sunday. So I, I made uh, just again lo- running list as as I'm in the live blog uh, dungeon. Like I'm just like <laughs> just just running list of statements, right? Like I'm like this will be good for the podcast. Like maybe yeah. it ends up being uh, something that I include in something written, but most of the time not. But I think that one of the things that makes this so much fun is that at any major, a big part is not only the course, but the community. And it felt mm-hmm. like at Bethpage, we were reminded about uh, the community and about the the group that's going to be there and the fans and what kind of impact that can have because it was chilling when the the DJ sort of fan base took over and it felt like, uh, and and not in a, a any way that was similar, but we've mentioned it before, and you in particular, uh, I know I've gotten called out for the the interesting dynamic between Patrick Reed, the winner, and the Augusta the Augusta National patrons. But like when all of a sudden you had the the DJ chance as Kepka's not doing well, I was like, man, this is really one of those interesting tracks, one of those fascinating major courses where like the the temperature of the fan base it it matters and it can kind of play a factor into making the theater of it all just really really intriguing so i had written and you know this because i put it in our slack but i had written like a thousand word column about how brooks kepka is the embodiment of what everybody here wants to be he's this good looking strapping successful person who's kind of self-made dates, beautiful women, you know, like all, all these different things. And, and you kind of felt that throughout the week. And then all of a sudden, like it was stunning because it, it completely flipped on him totally late on, late on Sunday. And I was like, well, before any of it played out, I was like, well, there goes that column because that's not reality. Like that's not, that's not even true. And, and and when it flipped on him on 14 and they start chaining DJ, DJ, it got chip, it got so chaotic and everything started moving so quickly. For me, who's not even competing, I can't imagine what it was like for him. And, and the moment where it crystallized for me, and I don't know if it came across on TV, was he walked to the 15th tee and he's basically separated by just one grandstand to the 16th green because 16 comes back toward 14 or excuse me toward 15 toward the 15 tee box so him and dj are like 30 yards apart and and like you could feel everything like swaying towards dj as kepka tees off and he talked later kepka talked later about how like that was the moment where he was like okay i guess we're doing this again you know basically screw all of you guys and he hits a 350 yard drive his longest drive of the week on 15 right down the middle and ends up making par there while DJ makes bogey on 16. And that was sort of it. I mean, I know the wheels wobbled a, a little bit more coming home. He makes the bogey on 17, bad drive on 18. But that was that was the coolest, like, when when you're there in the moment or when you're there in person moment that might not have come through when you're watching on TV. So how much of DJ did you get to see? Because that's that would be the the thing that I would throw back at you if you're walking with Brooks. Because the thing that's so frustrating for Dustin Johnson is that it wasn't just a couple of those bogeys coming down the stretch. Because everybody was getting bogeys down the stretch, 
anybody who was playing in the late afternoon group was getting bogeys in the last five or six holes. But there were maybe two to three strokes, even early in Dustin Johnson's round, that he should have had, maybe a couple of putts here and there. And so to know that it was that close, you know, just down to one stroke in the last handful of holes, you know, that those are going to be the ones that I think DJ is going to be kicking himself for. Yeah, I didn't see much of his round because I was with Brooks the whole time. Uh, I did see – we watched 16 and then we followed him for 17 because you're thinking, well – if this, I mean, like, this could happen. So, like, what, you know, what, let's see what he does on seventeen. We can always go back and and follow follow Kepka down sixteen, which is what we ended up doing. Um, but yeah, I didn't I didn't see a ton of his round. I will say, whenever we watched him on seventeen, he had a he had a bad shot into the par three on seventeen. But Hideki almost like aced it. Like he almost hit the hit the stick. And uh, you're like, wow, what if? Because because that's the thing, like that the crowd around 17 was was probably the craziest hole in terms of like just loudest and wildest uh, on that course. And so that's that's sort of like the hole to be at. I guess like if you're going and you're gonna pick a hole, that was the one to be at. And so when he when he bogeyed that, you're kind of like. Like, uh, you know, this is, you know, that's kind of a wrap or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really see much of his front nine. Do you have any, uh, do you have any adjustments at all when you're going to go back and look at the way that this leaderboard shakes out? Because I feel like I can't, this, this is going to be one of those majors that I was a little bit too close to, and it doesn't always happen. Sometimes it's been, uh, a major that maybe, you and Robbie worked, you know, as, as we're going back through the Wikipedia and through the history and I wasn't as close to, but there are some top fives and top tens on this leaderboard that we're going to, you know, years from now, just sort of include in conversations. And, and my question to you is how valid did they feel in the moment? How valid, like, and I think that we can go golfer by golfer. We can pick out a couple of these because there's like the Jordan Spieth, which has its own with context validity, there's like a Patrick Cantlay with context has its own validity. Then there's like a Rory McIlroy with which context you could debate its validity. So I, you know, is this, is this a leaderboard that you think you come back to and these top fives, these top tens mean a lot? Well, first of all, if you didn't see the Rory backdoor T8 coming, then you haven't been following golf for very long. Hey, like it's that was just, ninth, ninth top 10 of the year, right? Ninth top was, 10 of the year. We, we, <laughs> The, the 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 joke all day among like us in the media deal was is it going to be a T8 a T9 or a T10 cuz you knew it was going to happen you just didn't know like what the actual numbers were going to be right um so yeah i don't know man i i thought so two things one and i want to make sure i mention this and not forget it later like the course today was not it did not look enjoyable it was so it got so windy and i don't know if that came across on tv either but the bag nine oh uh, no we had we had was, the meters i mean they i was i was seeing 15 to 25 right it was howling yeah i mean it was it was really really difficult and so and so like you know that's like the biggest defense that any of these courses have we talk about the rough and yeah that's a big deal like hacking out from five intra for whatever it is it's it's really hard but the the wind is what kills most of those guys and it was just you know for for guys to put up like gary woodland shot a 68 
that might have been the best round of the day. Rory shot 69. Who else? I don't know. I don't know if anybody shot 67, but uh, those are those are really impressive scores. Um, who else was in there? I don't see it right now. But um, so that and then. For me, it's Spieth finishing T3. I mean, I followed him, like I said, 18 on Saturday because he was playing with... uh, By the way, I have my old column still up in our content management system if you want to go read it. Uh, Just staring at that. No, so I'm with Spieth for all 18 on Saturday, and, man, he could not find the center of the club face. Like, it was unbelievable. I felt like I was watching, like, Porath at Pinehurst. I mean, it was... was, (laughs) I mean, ser- like, and Porath hit it. I mean, I shouldn't say it like that. Like, Porath actually hit it good at Pinehurst, but I mean, it looked like the way an amateur would play a major championship course. Like, he just couldn't find the center of the club face. So, so for him to play the weekend, what did he play it? He played it in um, 72 71, which doesn't sound great. But oh, it's better than his average, know. though. It's better than his average on both yeah. of those numbers. I, I thought this was a, I thought this was a very positive. Jordan Spieth experience and I think that's something that you had mentioned before about Spieth about the grind like Beth Page was going to make you grind like and this was yeah. and I think that didn't we talk about it on Friday night just the idea that this would be a place that would expose the difference between him and everyone else and Phil Mickelson in his conversation with Amanda Balionis came out and said the thing that makes Beth Page so tough and fair is that it really exposes who's got their game together. And I think that's why Jordan Spieth, if you're a believer in the fact that he's turned the corner and that the worst play is behind him and that better play is moving forward, then I think you you absolutely look at Beth Page as a track where if he was able to separate himself and everyone, everyone took some punches on this course, including Brooks Kepka on the weekend, it, for Jordan Spieth to be on the top five, I think this is all positive for speed moving forward. Yeah, totally. And it, it's just not a place. And so many people mention this. It's just not a place. Like if you were to look at the, the major venues this year you're like, okay, where's speed going to have his worst performance? Uh, definitely Beth page. And it might end up being his best performance. You know, if he did this at Augusta, you're like, okay, I get it. If he does it at pebble where he's won before you're like, okay, he's good at us opens. If he does it at port rush, you're like, okay, he slapped it around and putted well. And now part of it, I get a little nervous because I think he gained like 10 strokes on the field with his putter. So oh, that's, yeah, he was one of the best in the field putting. Yeah, that's not how you want it to happen. But I don't know. Still, T3 is is super impressive, especially on this, this course, especially with the way he's hitting it. So this is one, two, three, four top 12s in his last six major starts. Uh, yeah, because he finished T9 at, at the Open, T3, uh, or solo third at last year's Masters, uh, won the 17 Open, and then this one. Is that right? Uh, T12 at last year's PGA at Bell Reef. Oh, okay. It's so, yeah. fu- it was so funny because, like, during the, as I was kind of pulling together just the basic stuff for the leaderboard breakdown, I was like, you know, we talk about slump. But if you're only if you're living in a majors only world, there's I not know, a ton there's not a ton of evidence for a Jordan Speed slump. Yeah, like if we look back at his Wikipedia page in like twenty years, like we won't you, you won't There's notice, enough like yellow a, box there's enough yellow boxes in there 
that no one's yeah. going to think about the slump as in the real time, it's felt like such a dramatic storyline in golf. Yeah, I know. And that's the thing, like, and this is what, like, sort of what has been impressing me about Spieth is what impressed me about Kepka on Sunday is just he was so, like, he, and he talked about this afterwards, he just used, like, the crowd turning, uh, and I mentioned this earlier, but he used it to his advantage. And I just, I felt like, majors they give you so many opportunities to to hit the eject button like they just give you opportunity like you're so exposed out there and you're, you've made four bogeys in a row and like but just mentally he was so tough and i feel like like and he brought he got asked about this in his presser too he said uh it was actually a fan, uh, kvv that asked him you know what's the most disrespected you've ever felt and he said uh, when, when they said that I wasn't tough and KVB goes, who said that? Or something like that. And he's like, I think we all know who said that. And, but, but it's true. Like that's, that's what he was on Sunday is just so mentally and emotionally tough in, in a, in a position where it would have been easy to kind of just give in, eject and hand it over to DJ. We're going to welcome Sean Martin of PJTour.com into the conversation right after this. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And now it's our pleasure to welcome back to the show, uh, Sean Martin, PJTour.com. Sean, you know, of of all the different thoughts and memories that you're going to have taken away from this, and I know there's probably going to be more to come, obviously, because, you know, you've you poured in so much and, and your career is so bright, but like, like what is the one experience of, of sharing a hotel room with Kyle that you've really learned something different about him this week? <laughs> He's a workout fiend. <laughs> nice. I like to hear that. That has him in a good like physio mental state. Like he's going to be closer to flow state if he gets a workout in. He also shames you if you don't, uh, work out with him so that's, Kyle, not, that's not good for me i don't like that i don't that's like fake. that that's not that's not true i believe the word used was soft okay <laughs> somebody got some brooks kepka vibes this week yeah me let's like you know dj and, and brooks just lift before the rounds i was porter and me <laughs> <laughs> all right sean for real though um this is the there, there's a lot to take away from this. I want to get to big picture later in terms of this uh, this Sunday and sort of the conclusion, the way things wrapped up. What were going to be some of the things that you're going to take away from being there? I think I do think that even though Brooks came very close to a historic 
loss. I don't know if Kyle already covered it, but no one had ever lost a seven-stroke lead in the history of the PGA Tour. Uh, I mean, even though that almost happened, I actually think that I leave it with even more respect for him. Yes. Just because it was so hard down the stretch, and it has to weigh on you. Like he says that he was, he never thought about failing. Uh, but I have to think that I mean, there's got to be part of you that, I mean, even if you don't know the history, you don't know the record book, you don't know exactly where everyone is on the leaderboard, which he did actually, and he said that. Uh, that has to weigh on you, just knowing that. I mean, if you lose a seven-shot lead, it's it's not good. Um, so I think he really he did step up kind of like when Kyle said, when the fans kind of turned on him, which also that was funny because they've been in love with him the whole week. Uh, when they turned on him and started going for DJ, it's just he turned it on and, and he played solid. And yeah, he missed that short little putt on 17, but it, it didn't really matter at that point. And um, so I think I just have even more respect for the guy because he's held people off every time. Uh, you know, Aaron Hills, he made birdies on the stretch to separate from the field. Uh, Shinnecock Hills, he grinded out some really strong pars at that tough golf course after Tommy Fleetwood posted. And then at Bell Reeve, he holds off Tiger Woods. And then this time, now he's holding off DJ and holding off uh, basically a historic meltdown. And so this guy just hasn't – we haven't seen it yet where he's blown one. We almost did. But, uh, yeah, um, that's what I think I – even though he almost blew it, I, I think I have even more respect for what the guy does. So, so what do we do now, right? Like, So he takes over world number one. Is the conversation done? Is this win do it? Who's who's the best player in golf right now? Brooks Kepka. There's no other argument. Yeah, I think. I mean, you look. Kepka had won three majors in like little more than a year, and he was the defending champion coming into this week. But at the start of this week, it was all Tiger. Like Kepka was still overlooked. Was he? It was Tiger. I mean, Tiger's coming off the Masters. He's coming back to Bethpage where he won in 2002. I feel like, like, I feel like Kepka got more recognition this week than he has in the past. Maybe, but it's still like. Normally, if your defending champion is like a guy who has won three majors in like a fourteen-month span, like that's the story. But the story was Tiger. Yeah. And so, anyways, point being that like there is nothing that can happen. I don't care if Tiger wins Memorial. I think the story, no matter what, is Brooks at Pebble. So for the first time, Brooks goes into the major as the guy. Did you Did you guys see his odds for Pebble? No, no. I got two kids' sports, so I can't putting money down on golf did you see him chip no i haven't seen him yet get you guys want to guess uh seven to two seven to two three to one that, i mean that's i don't know that's what they used to do in tiger i just remember they had seven to two in in tiger's day it was what is it five to one it's not that far off that's a crazy number that's a tiger number yeah at uh, seven to two is a tiger but number. but i think that's what we're dealing with yeah i mean I mean, uh, I think we need to let's slow down a little bit. Let's, yeah, let's Sean's, slow. Sean's been pumping the brakes since like Thursday afternoon. No, I just think Padraig Harrington had a great point, and he said that and this is a guy who won three majors in two years. Now, granted, he was much older, didn't have that kind of dominant uh, style of play that Kepka does. But Padraig said, like, look, everyone gets like twenty-four peak months in their career, and for some people that means cracking the top fifty. For some people that means winning five tour events for some guys it means winning four majors and he's like you get you only get those peak 24 months or 18 months uh once and it's what you do with them and so i do think like this is peak kepka so he's won four out of eight majors i i don't think 
I think that run is over. I think there's more majors in him, but I don't know that. I mean, look, you're not, not going to be winning majors at a 50% clip for it's not sustainable. No, but I think there's also a difference between um, comparing the run to Tiger and making the expectation that Brooks Kepka is going to be Tiger Woods, right? Like, aren't we allowed to do that? To say that this run is something that we haven't seen in golf since Tiger Woods. Yes. You know, like, I mean, literally, you know, literally, like, like one of the greatest golfers, like at his peak, did this. We don't have to also include the backpacked expectations that, oh, and we also expect Brooks Kepka to win 15 majors. I don't. But I, I think that you can you can draw those comparisons based on what they're doing on these stages across a period of time. I mean, the only uh, Justin Ray has a stat. And I thought I loved it. I thought it was a great stat. Is the only the only four guys to win four majors in an eight major span are Tiger, Jack, Hogan, and Kepka. Sure. And so you're talking about three of the, what, five best players ever and also Ben Hogan? No, I'm just kidding. You're talking about three of the five best players ever and also Kepka. And so it's like, well, what, what do I even do with that? And I think, I think it'll take time to figure out what you actually should do with that because it's like, what does it lead to? Like, I mean, we've seen this with Rory, right? I mean, we saw it in 14. We saw it with Spieth in 15. And then it's like, okay, well – what what comes after that? How how long does it last? My I, I think it's gonna be really interesting to see how long he can keep this chip on his shoulder. Like that's his whole deal. Like that's his whole shtick is like how pissed off can I be? And I think that's sort of I think that's one of the many reasons or one of a few reasons why he doesn't perform at PGA tour events, because it's like there's not really a chip. Like nobody's really talking about no offense, Sean. Nobody's really talking about these regular PGA Tour events like they are majors. And so he doesn't feel that sort of like being overlooked or being discarded or whatever. And and it's almost like he, he has to have that. He says he can create like internal, like an internal chip. But I think I think a lot of it is external. And you saw that on, on late in the day when when they turned on him. That's when he started playing good. So. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how long he can keep that up. He did say he's going to go MJ style and just keep creating chips because, like, he's not. I mean, he's not going to get slighted anymore. Like, I don't think Brandel. I can't imagine what Brandel might come up with uh, in his this kind of feud they have going on. But I mean, there's really no more ammo left for it. I don't know what else you could slight the guy for. Brandel needs to wear the clown nose. That's a, that'd be great PR. So he's just going to keep. Uh, kind of making these chips uh on his own which then i can't wait for his hall of fame speech if it's gonna be like mj's and he's just calling out you know his high school coach for sitting him in the you know regional competition and playing him in the four spot and then he's calling out the you know what just uh it'll be interesting to see because yeah he the media i don't think as a member of the media is going to slight him anymore but now he just has to kind of you know make up his own things okay i want to hit on a a uh, couple of quick ones. Number one, <clears throat> did Tiger Woods break Francesco Molinari at Augusta? <laughs> what did Molinari finish? No. Bro, Molinari, no bueno. What did he do? I didn't no, I mean, no bene. No bene. Uh, by the way, Harold Varner, 81 today. I think I, I, think I said 81, like on the number. Uh, he did 75 today. Wow, Fowler shot a 77? Oh no! Listen, oh. I li- the the 
There was blood everywhere. I knew was shot a seventy-eight. Yes. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, I, I told Kyle, I told you earlier. Everyone took their L's on the last like six holes. Anybody who teed off after maybe twelve forty-five or one p.m. Any of the last like hour, hour and a half of uh, pairings, when they came down from even the whole back nine, but when they, especially when they started to hit 12, 13, 14, 15, like there were some, there were some L's getting taken all over the place. It was wild. You now shot a 79. I'm glad you're finding this out in real time because there really was blood everywhere. It was bonkers out there. This is incredible. Rich Beam shot his second 69 of the league. He went 75, 69, 82, 69. That's unbelievable. How about sitting on a Francesco Molinari tournament head-to-head against Tommy Fleetwood and Fleetwood 78 gets you a push? Yeah. (laughs) That's brutal. No, that's great. If you were sitting on Frankie. Yeah, that's true. Uh, true. All right, so... Uh, Francesco Molinari, we, we had him circled as like a late storyline. I really did mean to ask that question. Is there any concern about him uh, ha- having a not so, not so great performance here? John? I, I don't think so. I just... It's not, uh, it's not a great track for him. Yeah. No, I mean... The thing is that, you know, the narrow fairways, thick, rough are supposed to, you know, kind of mitigate the distance advantage. But really, when the course is that long, they actually exacerbate it. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, there were only five guys that can compete on this golf course, really. And um, and so, no, I don't think it does. All right. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Question number two, where are we on the fill meter? He's always a lot. He's always been a lot. Relationship with golf varies based on who you're talking to. He had the whole thumbs thing, the yabos, the uh, the Long Island crew seemed to love him. Where where are y'all on the the Phil spectrum right now? Man, I I think he kind of hit me this week. Like he's never gonna win another major. You know, I would so, like, I would agree with that. And so it, it's just uh, I don't know. Like it's weird because he he's such a legend and he's a five time major champion and he's won forty three times and all these different things. And so like anytime he's in the field, he's going to be a big draw. He's going to be a big name, but he's not really like he's not like like going into Pebble. Who who do you feel more confidence in, Gary Woodland or Phil? Gary Woodland. Right. So it's 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 like this weird thing where like he's a big enough name to be in the top five. But his actual like playing uh, level right now is like not even top twenty five, and so I don't really know what you what you do with that. I just I don't I don't think he's ever gonna. I mean, he might. He, my whole thing has always been like he might have one like in his early fifties run at Augusta, which I don't think he will win. But that that's kind of like the last stop in the road for for old lefty at these majors it's going to be fascinating that a 48 year old is going to be the the true crossover entertainer golfer in the social media era i know i do appreciate it that someone basically said like when he did the uh, augusta video I, I don't know who it was one of my friends just responded just with a reply of this is how you do social media and it was like totally it was just and all it is is probably tim holding up the phone for phil to do 
something that's kind of funny, but also kind of zany, unique, but also authentic, and it just works. And um, dude, he brought the joke to CBS National Broadcast when he said, "We broke the record with one thousand three hundred and seventy-four thumbs ups today." <laughs> yeah. He he took a social media joke that he planted and he brought it to fruition on national television in his post round press conference. Like it's he's very, he's very he he's he's bringing it. It's it's the philogeist. And the question is, will the philogeist, as awesome as it is right now, is are we hitting? Because I'm at that. And Sean, I apologize for dragging you into this, but like, I'm one. I'm wondering if Clemson fatigue is coming in college football, right? Like it's so lovable, we're all in on it, and then it's gonna turn the other way. And like Pebble is is gonna be the ultimate crossroads of fill the character, fill the storylines, and fill the performance. If he ejects and like doesn't even make the weekend, then uh I think that might lose some steam on this on this social media craving for Phil Mickelson. You know what what was interesting to me and and coming into the, this will be a talking point going forward, but coming into this week Chip, I was all in on uh, Ryder Cup at Bethpage, right? 2024, Phil could be the captain, and everybody here, like, adores him. I mean, I, they, I think they might like him more than they like Tiger here. And so at the beginning of the week, you're like, oh, this is going to be great. Like, I'm so excited about this. And by the end of the week, I'm, I'm legitimately scared of a Ryder Cup at Bethpage Black. Like, just, like, terrified. Because the, the 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 way that everybody it, it's just it's not a good scene it's not and it's not everybody the majority of the people here are respectful and great but there's a there's a bigger there's a larger percentage than normal of fans that are just it's gonna be really bad at a Ryder Cup with careful <laughs> with the European I mean Rory got asked about it and he said no comment Justin Rose thinks Hazeltine was bad it's gonna be like Sesame Street compared to <laughs> what's gonna happen at Bethpage in 2024 it's gonna be insane I mean Sean and I almost got run over on the 18th tee box after after uh, Kepka and and uh, Harold Varner uh, hit their tee shots like we got we were getting do you want to tell that story yeah, I mean, it definitely got a little crazy. I mean, it was almost like Tiger at Eastlake, um, but luckily you had like a boatload of NYPD guys. But, um, I mean, people – it happened actually multiple times. It happened Saturday too on the second hole behind the final group. People just kind of were like, eh, I'm just going to go for it and like kind of climb under these ropes and see what happens. And um, you just had people walking across the fair like it was the U.S. Amateur, which, of course, pulled at my heartstrings. But – and then you had it again on 18, and, and definitely it was a little little scary. And, yeah, I mean, the Ryder Cup, I mean, it's just – it's going to be crazy to say the least. It's going to be ludicrous. Mm. See, I I wasn't there. So I, I, I just saw it on TV, and I had the advantage of the fact that all of our leaders were spraying balls into the gallery to be able to be like, oh, look at those characters. <laughs> oh, okay. I see what the scene is. Yeah, it looks fun until you're like in the middle. And it just, I don't know. Like they just do things that, I mean, they're hollering while Kepka is like over his ball. Uh, somebody on Saturday said uh, Spieth was like over his ball, addressing his ball. And somebody said, Danny Willett, never forget. Yeah. And, and then Spieth like, knocked it off the flag sticks. Oh that was, gosh. that was good. Like it's just, it's a lot, man. It's, it's intense. Paul Casey was hitting a approach shot on the front nine somewhere and the mic just caught 
somebody's being like, you finished better than Tiger. <laughs> like, yeah, it's the Ryder Cup's going to be. I'm I'm concerned already. If for, for a Ryder Cup that's five years from now. Yeah. Well, I, that's all I think about is the Ryder Cup and the Masters. Obviously. All right. Uh, anything else on the notepad? Anything else that's lingering for either one of y'all? Sean first. Uh, Hideki struggled today. That was tough. But I think, um, no, I mean, I think it is. It's just, it's Kepka's world. And I think finally he's going to get all that respect that he's craved. And I'm interested to see what he does with it. I think even earlier in the week, he kind of walked back the whole like disrespected thing. And he, he admitted that he had kind of blown that up and, and he was kind of behind that. And, and that he said, I want to stop treating you all, which is the media as the enemy. And so I'm wondering if, you know, being, being the guy comes with responsibility and, and people wanting a piece of you. And I'm curious that, to see what he does with that because I do think that even though he had three majors before which is a Hall of Fame career I think he is entering like a new universe and I'm interested to see how it goes I thought his press conference today was really good um there were still the kind of the the Brooks Kepka kind of I don't know maybe brash or maybe a little bravado to it but also some humor and, and laughter and, and kind of laughed at himself even a little bit uh for getting to the position that he was in on the last couple of holes and so I don't know I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to embracing our new Brooks Kepka overlord uh, I had a my lead for my story I didn't get to use, so I'll say it here. But uh, I was walking with Spieth and Kepka on Saturday and overheard – Sean and I both overheard Ke- uh, Spieth's parents talking about how old uh, Brooks Kepka was. And they said something, you know, like 29 maybe or 30, going on 31. And the only thing I could think of at the time was it was like a Little Leaguer's parents like wanting to check the birth certificate of this guy who was like <laughs> – standard deviations better than everyone else in the league. Right. Because that's what it felt like at the time. Uh, I it ended up not getting to use that because he kind of fell back to DJ a little bit. But no, I was just looking at the uh, the approach shot numbers here, and Kepka hit uh, 73 greens, 73% of greens in regulation, which led the field. And I want to say, I think Sean had this stat coming in, that at the 2002 U.S. Open at Bethpage, Tiger led the field. in Ever lead in greens and regulation in, in 09? I don't believe that he did. I think he's top five, though. Yeah, so just just the, like, playing at a place like Bethpage where you can get into a ton of trouble, like, hitting greens and regulation matters. Kepka did that better than anybody. And the reason he did it better than anybody is because even when he was in the rough, he was so far out there that he's hitting wedges and nine irons into these greens and it's just a lot easier to hold the greens than when like Kevin Kisner's hitting a five iron. So um length matters. It's going to matter going forward, at least at, at these majors. And uh I don't know. That's one of the many reasons he's gonna be probably the favorite along with Tiger and a few others at the next few majors. Anyone else get your eye? I mean, I don't remember watching anyone else, to be honest. I wanted Jazz to finish top four to get into the Masters. I also successfully said his name on live uh, streaming video today. How did all that go? On CBS Sports HQ, you can watch it at cbssportshq.com. CBS Sports uh, app will also get it to you. Uh, it was good. Yeah, we had uh, we did Mark. Mark and Woman came on after uh, the round on 
Sunday. So we chatted for a while. You can catch that on Monday morning. But this was actually on CBS News, cbsnews.com, I think it was. CBSN. uh, Do I? CBSN. Yeah, CBSN. And they, I went Jazz Janowanan on and uh, just nailed it. And I felt great about it. Wanan. Jazz Janowanan. Yeah. He, no, he was great. He, I guess, faded late, but I really, really wanted him to finish top four and, and get into the Masters. I thought that would have been that would have been pretty cool, especially for his second major start. He seemed to be having fun the whole time and really enjoying his time there. That was my observation from the couch. Um, and I was curious to see if, if this is going to be a, a precursor to more appearances uh, outside of the European and the Asian Tour. Yeah, it could be. He's young. He's 23. Um, so, yeah, just walking in the barn rat's footsteps. From They're both from Thailand, right, Sean? That's correct. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's interesting to look at the top 10, though, Chip. You got, I mean, just just a ball-striking extravaganza. Luke List, Woodland, uh, Rory we mentioned, Adam Scott, Cantlay, top 10 at Masters and PGA. So, um, no surprises by the end of the week, the guys that are great from T to green kind of rise to the top. Um, Cantlay is pretty interesting though. He finished, what did he finish at Augusta? Was he T five? T nine. T nine. So he goes T nine, T three to start the year at the majors. That's pretty good. Um, it's basically been since mid 2018. He's been the tits. He's got three WGC top tens. He's got, I think two or three top twelves. Yeah. I've got my eye on him. Don't worry. Uh, yeah, and it was so funny you mentioned Adam Scott. I actually had on my notepad, uh, am I trying too hard to make Adam Scott great again? And how much does winning matter? Because he hasn't won since 2016. What was the last tournament he won? It was, uh, I think, at WGC in 2016. Oh, it was Doral. Yeah. Trump. So the question is, like, am I, am I trying too hard to make Adam Scott great again? No, I mean it's just. Uh, hold on, let me let me pull his stats up. Did he? Uh, Which again, and, and as I said, is paired with how much does winning matter? Because it feels like he's been in the mix. Feels like he's been, you know, like in the few events that he does play, he seems to show up. But uh, but man, he leaves something to be desired. Yeah, he was fiftieth in putting. Seventh from T to Green, but I mean I don't know, man. He's at, it's at, just so it's it's hard with those guys like him and Rose and you know even like DJ who have one major where you're like ah, it feels like they're better than one major guys, but then at the end of the year or at the end of their careers, that's what they are. And so it's just I don't know that that to me is the one of the more difficult things to sort of reconcile about about golf and trying to put all this into like a historical context. Indeed. Uh, he is Kyle Porter. You can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. You can follow Sean Martin at PGA tour S Martin. You can follow me at chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thanks, Chip. Thanks, Chip.